Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. Um, Ron Aaron, our regular co-host, Carol Zerniel, is on special assignment today, so we're pleased to have Tina Smith join us. Tina works with Carol at the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Tina oversees the caregiver programs and provides a lot of help for caregivers in this community. And Tina, it's great to see you. Thanks for filling in. Oh, absolutely. I always enjoy coming to to have a conversation with you, Well, you, you do Ron. a great job. And uh, we're being joined uh, by uh, Dr. Amy Shaver. She's got a doctorate in uh, pharmacology master's in public health, and she mentioned to me off the air that in a couple of weeks, she'll have her PhD in epidemiology, and then that's it. No more school uh, for Amy. Uh, congratulations, Amy. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. In, in recent weeks, uh, really because of uh, uh, Dr. Tony Fauci and others, tremendous focus on epidemiology. Uh, a lot of folks now at least have heard the word but not a lot of people know what it is epidemiologists do. So out of curiosity, uh, can you share that with us? So on a very basic level, epidemiologists like to study disease in populations and populations as a whole, not just in an individual person, to see what's causing the disease and looking at the course of the disease from where it starts and where it ends up. And the end goal of that is so that we can prevent disease, so we can stop it from even starting, and if it's already started, to prevent it from moving forward. Now, the interesting thing is, is uh, your fields, pharmacy and epidemiology, uh, really come together with uh, the topic that uh, you'd wanted to talk about today, and that is a large number of adults are prescribed medications that increase their risk of falling, and we know that Falls are a tremendous risk uh, to seniors 65 and over. If you've fallen once, you'll fall again. And very often, if a senior falls, breaks a hip, they go in the hospital, 50% of those die. So falls are a huge problem. Uh, but understanding that uh, we may be doing that to ourselves uh, through prescription drugs is pretty scary. So talk to us about that, Amy. Um, yeah. So what we did, we saw a previous study had been done that saw an increase in deaths due to falls in the older senior population in this country, but they didn't really give any reasons as to why. So what we wanted to do was look at, coming from a pharmacy background, the possibility that it was medications. Now, without looking at individual data, we looked at population level data so that that's saying that it isn't necessarily your parents or your grandparents receiving a drug per se that caused them to have a fall and then they died from that fall, but that in a group of older people, those older people are receiving drugs that could increase their risk of falls and that those same older people are also at an increased risk of dying from falls. And we're seeing both of those trends from about the turn of the century 
till 2017, both of those trends are increasing. What kind of medications are you talking about? Um, well, actually, really some pretty common medications. So antidepressants, drugs for hypertension, um, drugs for diabetes. These are drugs that can help you with anxiety, drugs to help you fall asleep. These are all drugs that have a worthwhile use. They're meant, you know, they have... So they're efficacious. They're efficacious, yes. <laughs> you have a diagnosis. There is a reason the doctor is prescribing them to you. But sometimes you go, a patient goes to multiple doctors and a patient is on more than one of these medications, not all of their doctors know this. So you need a quarterback uh, to uh, handle your medical care, which is what I get uh, through the uh, uh, insurance and, and medical plan I'm with at Wellman Medical Management. I've got a PCP who's the focus and the center point uh, for uh, medications and uh, is able to keep track because they all report to each other of, of medications I'm on. But when you talk about the numbers uh, from the year 2000 on through 2017, uh, showing an increase, uh, are pharmacies and pharmacists playing a role in identifying potential risks in medications? Uh, they are, but not all the time because people go to different pharmacies, sometimes because of their insurance plans and sometimes just for convenience sake. People go to different pharmacies for different medications. So depending on a medication, your insurance plan may say, oh, that's a medication that you have to get via mail order or through a specialty pharmacy or other medications. You can go to your neighborhood pharmacy. That doesn't mean that those pharmacies are necessarily talking to each other. So unless you have a full medication review done, or, you know, an MTM by a pharmacist, they may not know all of the medications that you are on at one given time. And that's stay where- Stay with me. Hmm? Say, stay with me just a minute. I want to let folks know who may have just joined us. They're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is on special assignment today. Tina Smith is filling in for her. And we're talking with Dr. Amy Shaver on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline. She is hanging out in Buffalo, New York. And we're talking about risks associated uh, with medications that are prescribed for the right reason, but as a side effect, uh, may cause a risk for falls. Falling when you're a senior, uh, Dr. Shaver, is a huge, huge problem. We've got a very good friend just turned 80 uh, who was exercising in his home. His wife has one of those interactive mirrors, and he was doing some kinds of exercising. He got all tangled up, fell, broke a hip, uh, and went into the hospital had a pin put in and he's home now, uh, which is the good news because he's not one of those who didn't make it out of the hospital. Uh, but now he's on even more drugs uh, to deal with the pain. Uh, you mentioned uh, that no one is really looking at all the medications you're on. I know that when I go to the doctor, whichever doctor it may be, they all ask, bring all your medications with you. They do ask that. And how many times have you brought them all with you? I don't think that's any of your business. <laughs> Actually, I have in my brain what I'm taking. So rarely do I bring them all. You're right. That's a that's a very good point. 
But, you know, there's times as a pharmacist when um, we've been out in the community, there's cards that we give to people to fill out, you know, because it is inconvenient to bring all of these medications because it's not just your prescribed medications. It's also over-the-counter supplements, your vitamins, there's interactions, there's things that you were prescribed that maybe you're not taking anymore. You know, and like you talked about your friend who was 80, who was in the hospital. Now, maybe the hospital's formulary said, okay, well, you're on Lipitor while you're out in the community, but that's not on our formulary. We're going to put you on something else while you're in the hospital. And we'll give you some of that while you're here. We may be discharging you on some of that. When that person goes home, do they then double up on their cholesterol medication? You know, that sort of thing happens, those transitions of care. So there's there's a lot of times for medication therapy management that are missed. And these transitions, the, the patient really needs to become their own advocate. And that needs to be pushed, I think, more um, by their providers and by caretakers for people who are older and maybe not realizing that they can be their advocate. I know my own generation is fairly good at being an advocate, but I know my parents aren't necessarily. They trust what the doctors tell them, and that's what they're going to do because that's what they've been told to do. Well, they grew up believing doctors are on pedestals. Exactly. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't do what their doctor tells them, but I'm also saying that they should be willing to ask a question and ask for other services, ask for all of their medications to maybe be written down to them so that when they go to a specialist, they can bring that with them. Ask to be evaluated, ask for their falls risk to be evaluated. You know, say, I was on this medication at the hospital. Do I still need to be on it? During discharge, they may not really be feeling themselves. It's very, you know, it's a very stressful time. Another caretaker needs to be, you know, kind of holding their hand and helping them along so that they don't end up on too many medications or on a medication they no longer need to be on. That's how some of these things happen. Tina, what do you hear from uh, uh, caregivers about medication? Well, and just trying to keep up with them all sometimes can be a lot. I mean, sometimes it's, it feels like almost a full-time job keeping up with the doses and the new medications and the changes and the over-the-counter medications. And and that's one of the things we we tell caregivers is that they need to be assertive in the in the doctor's office. They need to ask questions if they're not sure. Go in, you know, write down your questions before you go so you don't forget what it is that you're going to say. You don't have to be aggressive about it. You don't have to fight with the doctor. But if you've got questions about what's happening, because if you don't, then then you may go home just not sure of and maybe make a mistake with your medications or your loved one's medications or treatment and all of that. So it, it's critical asking, which can be intimidating. I mean, it can be intimidating for, you know, that's just not your natural tendency to question things, but it's, it's, it is important to be that advocate. And when you, Amy, mentioned falls prevention, uh, there are falls prevention classes. Uh, many organizations, Wellman Medical Management is one, uh, can send a social worker or a nurse to your home uh, to do a falls prevention analysis of your home. Is that something you'd advise, Amy? 
Oh, absolutely. There's a number of members of the healthcare team that can help out within the home between physical therapists, occupational therapists, social workers who can look at the home and say where there are risk factors. It can be something as simple as a rug that is somewhat loose, you know, an animal that runs around your feet. Little things that you wouldn't necessarily think of as a person is older or as a person is recovering from a fall. I have a friend who uh, uh, had a severe uh, break in his arm at night. He got up to go to the potty and tripped over his dog who he couldn't see in the dark Mm -hmm. and uh, suffered a really, really terrible injury. Uh, I'm sure a lot of that happens. Dog and cats get in the way. Oh, they do. And yet at the same time, animals are really great for lowering stress levels and can be good for our health. So there's there's pros and cons and we have to weigh, you know, the benefits and the risks. Stay with us and just a minute. We're going to come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Amy Shaver. Dr. Shaver has a doctorate in pharmacy, soon to have her doctorate in epidemiology. She also has a master's in public health. And she tells us that's enough schooling. I'm done. She's certainly prepared to do anything she wants to do out in the real world. Tina Smith is filling in today for Carol Zerniel, who was on special assignment. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. We're so glad you're with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our regular co-host on special assignment today, and Tina Smith is filling in. Tina heads the caregiver programs at the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Our special guest on the Caregiver SOS On Air hotline, Amy Shaver. Uh, Dr. Shaver is up in Buffalo, New York, and we're delighted to talk with her. A doctorate in pharmacy, and soon after she defends her dissertation, a doctorate coming her way in epidemiology. Uh, we're so glad you're with us, Amy. I wanted to ask you a little bit uh, because your research uh, apparently is focused on uh, resilience transitions of care, patient safety, and care delivery. How are those all interrelated? Well, for my my research right now for my dissertation, I'm looking at resilience, which is it's it's sort of hard to describe. It's it's how it's how people bounce back when they're faced with an insult or a stressor. So say that friend you mentioned earlier who, you know, had an injury and they were able to make it out of the hospital and come home and they're probably going through some sort of rehab. They're a resilient person. Whereas you'd have another individual who had an injury and maybe they didn't make it home. And, you know, there's a family mourning them. And those are two different levels of resilience. So I'm trying to look at what makes a person more or less resilient and 
is there, are there ways that we can train resilience? You know, are there things that we could find out about a person before we give them a treatment? Like in the research that I'm doing now in cancer treatment, is there something we can look for before treatment so that we could say this person is more likely to need more support or less support so that we know who to watch more closely or less closely so we know who really needs more um so who, help who would do that it. analysis who would What's do that, that analysis um so for what i'm looking at it would be their oncologist and their care providers so that who would look at their, you know, their baseline when they're coming in, when they get their diagnosis to say, hey, this person's going to need a little bit more care. They might need, you know, this sort of plan or that sort of plan. We're not really sure yet. It's very new. What got you interested in that area? Um, actually, I was just looking at patients and looking at how even if you have what appears to be the same sort of patient and they receive the same treatment, they don't end up the same at the end, you know, and over the course of a year, you have some people doing really well and some people, they don't make it to the year mark. And I'm like, why is that? That, and so that's what got me wondering, you know, what is it about them? And I'm looking at measures of body composition and things in their musculature and their balance between fat and muscle. And if there's something we can do with that so far as between pharmacy and nutrition and exercise science, if there's sort of a way that we can balance those measures to make them more resilient to treatment. Can you teach resilience? I don't know. In behavioral medicine, there's some theories that say you can, from a psychological perspective, that you can make a person more resilient to psychological stressors. So the idea then is, can you make a person more resilient to physical stressors? And that well, would be the thing to find out. Tina, in, in your work, uh, you see caregivers obviously every situation is not the same. There's no cookie cutter approach, mm -hmm. but many dealing with similar issues, some do much better than others. I, yeah. And, and, you know, just listening to Dr. Shaver, it's, it's interesting, you know, we don't use the term resiliency in this field that much, you know, when related to caregiver, but I can certainly see it because you're right. Some caregivers manage better than others or differently than others. And one of our programs is a stress busting program. This is an evidence-based a program where we teach caregivers stress management techniques and coping skills and, and try to get them to see things a different way. We call it untwisting their thinking. Uh, you know, so we try to, instead of going to the jumping to the negative, we try to get them to, to look at the real picture and not be Pollyanna and rose colored glasses, but let's look at what's really going on. So, uh, you know, I'll be curious to hear more about, about your research and just, you know, it's kind of got me thinking about the resiliency uh, in, in caregiving, certainly. Yeah, because there have been times where they've shown what they call post-traumatic growth, um, just from more of a psychological standpoint, um, in breast cancer survivors where they take this stress of having gone through breast cancer and the treatment of breast cancer, which is, you know, devastating. And yet they experience growth out of it. And so if that can happen from a psychological 
perspective can it happen on a physical perspective and it's like yeah maybe why not Mm -hmm. so we just have to kind of try and figure out how (laughs) (laughs) bottle that (laughs) yeah exactly and so I'm trying to find out you know is there something about these people at the beginning that we can see that is different and if so can we earmark that and if we can earmark it then can we produce an intervention that we can then test so what would that intervention what would that intervention look like that I don't know as yet. It's still way too early on. Ideally, I think it would probably have something to do um, with a physical therapy, a nutrition, um, and something pharmacologically as a triple a triple intervention between uh, those three fields. Now, and most if of that's your, yeah. I go ahead. Most of your research uh, focuses on uh, an aging population. Uh, That's obviously a growth industry in this country. We're all getting older. Uh, What attracted you to that field? It was interesting. I got attracted to uh, the aging population while I was within pharmacy school, mainly because a lot of people weren't really attracted to it. And they seemed to be kind of pushed to the side. And I I don't know. There was just something about older people that they seemed in some cases to be forgotten and that didn't seem right to me that there's more going on and that I think that the older population a lot of times were uh, were and in some cases still are over medicated and kind of just left by the wayside and I think that needs to be rectified. And some have incredible stories to tell as well. I oh, just wrote a, piece about a, wrote a piece about a woman who turned 100 here in uh, uh, San Antonio, who, who was British, flew for the uh, British Royal Air Force, flew bombers during World War II, uh, a story that isn't told very often. But uh, when you think about what she did, it's just amazing. Yeah. And there's there's tons of people like that who, you know, they've just been there. So right. there's, they've got things to tell and they've played, you know, they've, they've been the places that you want to see and can offer insight into things that we're doing now. And well, there's just, there's a lot there. There's a lot to learn. Well, she um, is someone who embodies uh, resilience. Uh, she's blind, but uh, loves doing crossword puzzles. And so the <laughs> staff read her the clues she gives them the answers and they fill in the crossword. Perfect. Pretty cool. Yeah, she can visualize <laughs> the whole thing. Right. Exactly. Now we got about two minutes left before we go. What haven't we asked you that you want to share with us? I think the biggest thing I really want to reiterate is that the point of my study was not to make people throw their medications away. Huh. Those are still really important. It was... I think patients just need to realize that they can be their own advocate and that it was to start conversations with their providers. That's really important that their provider is never going to turn them down. If they have a question, they should ask it. It's, it's not an adversarial thing to ask a question. And that, you know, we're looking to do that next study with the individual data. That's important, but really be your own advocate. What's that next study? 
Well, I would like to do that with where, so then it is your grandmother and the medication that she received and did it cause her fall instead of on the population level? Oh, so uh, go to the micro instead of the macro. Yes, very much so. And when you talk to your doctor about medications, uh, are there some specific questions you can think of that uh, people ought to ask? Ask to be refreshed on why am I on the medications that I'm on? Do I still need to be on these medications? Should I be taking anything over the counter? Is there things I shouldn't be taking over the counter? Those are important questions. A lot of people get sucked into supplements. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The urine of this country has become very expensive. The what? <laughs> people's, people's, people's urine has become very expensive. Yeah, because it's all Because sometimes right people you. are taking a lot of stuff they don't need to be taking. Right. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember that one. Well, you're a delight to talk to, Amy Shaver. I want to thank you so much up there in Buffalo, New York. And congrats. I'm sure you're going to defend your uh, uh, dissertation admirably and uh, soon, now we do have to call you Dr. Doctor. Right. <laughs> no, just one is enough and maybe well, too thank much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank you. Dr. Amy Shaver, who is a, a doctorate in pharmacology and soon to have her doctorate in epidemiology. For Tina Smith, who is sitting in for Carol Zerniel today, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.